Uh, what is up guys and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. How are you doing this week, James? Yeah, not too bad, Jason. Mm. Not too bad. Good, good. Another fun day at work today? Yes. Yes. I, I didn't have work today. I, I, well, I haven't been at work all week. It's been lovely. That's not strictly true, though, is it, Jason? Not really. No. <laughs> uh, you might not have been. In fact, actually, it's worse for you because you technically were still working, not at your job, which no. means you weren't getting paid. No, it, it, well, indeed, it was worse. Uh, I, 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 worse in the sense that, like you said, I wasn't getting paid, but I have uh, had the week off from work work in order to have the work of being a single parent for a week. Indeed. Uh, obviously, my, my partner has been here as well, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it's it's my time to spend a week with my son, which is always good fun. We've played a lot of... We've played a lot of games, which was good, but I'll be honest, I'm just so... I'm ready for him to move up to that next level of games. Yes. Because, yeah, I, I, I just need to pull away now from that sort of really, really easy family-friendly games. And he has these games that he really likes. You know, he likes his Cobra Paw and he likes playing things like a Kid in a Shuffle and stuff like that. And I do find them fun, but they're pretty much the only games we play. Mm. Uh, his favourite game is still Core Quest, but... You know, we've now completed everything from that first Kickstarter. So we're now redoing missions. So you kind of know what's going to happen. Just waiting for that expansion to turn up now. So, yeah. Well, I did try them out on a couple of slightly harder games or a bit more structured games. Uh, but because I, I got him to try Ghostbusters Blackout, which was actually on my for sale pile for a little while. But then I realised it's actually quite an easy going co-op game. And I thought maybe that might be a bit better for him. Mm. So we, we've, we've given that a go. I know you haven't played it in a very, very long time. I'm pretty sure you won't even remember that game. But um, yeah, that, that was pretty good fun. Talking of games played, James, mm. we've been playing some games as well. We, 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 we got a game in Games Night in last night. Didn't we, we did, indeed. Um, and as a bit of a rarity, it was myself, yourself and my good lady partner, Layla. It was. Uh, and we got in two games. We did. Do you remember what they are, James? Without looking at them lying on the table. They are right next to us, Jason. <laughs> so it's a bit hard to miss because um, blatantly you haven't packed them away since last night. Well, I mean, they're not out on the table. They're, they're in their boxes. So they've been packed away. They just oh, haven't been put back was on the Was it shelf. just that, that last bit of effort to lift them onto the Calax, which is within touching distance of where I'm sitting? Yes. Indeed, it was incredibly difficult because I had to I had to slide the microphones out of the way and everything. It was I just uh, couldn't bear that kind of stress on my body that late at night. <laughs> uh, but anyway, to answer your question, Jason, we played Living Forest with the Kadama expansion. We did. This was our first chance of playing it with the expansion, was it not? It was. Now, I guess the first question, James, is what did you think? First impressions of the game with expansion. First impression, I. Th- I enjoyed it. I think there's enough in there to justify the expansion. Yep. And I'm not going to say any more than that because we're blatantly doing an episode on that very shortly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a good few weeks because this isn't going to... I don't think it's going to be a game I'm going to want to play quite a lot in a short space of time, Mm. which is what we have a tendency to do. If we know we've got a game highlight episode coming up, we, we tend to play it quite a lot over a two, three, four week period and very little else. I don't know if this is going to be a game that I will want to do that with. Maybe once a week I could possibly see that, but depending on what other games we play. Mm. But I I mean, yeah, the expansion, I've been excited for this. And I think it is interesting because it brings a fair few new things to the table Mm. without bringing anything new to the table horrible way of describing it isn't it it, it is but, you it know, doesn't you... fundamentally alter the game but no. adds enough in there to make it interesting yeah like you know you get the extra tray of trees but really did the trees change the game all that much not really i think i was the only one that used them mm. it added that extra the extra cards into the game you know yeah. in the standard car buying pool did they really change the game not really. I mean, yeah, Some that, of them that's... gave you that extra bonus action, which was nice. Yeah. Um, I can't really... Because we've only done it once. I can't really answer that one because I'm not actually sure which of those cards were... Because there's now 
so many of them. It's like I don't actually know which ones were from the base game and which ones were from the pretty much. The, the, the new cards are only in the top two tiers. Yeah. So they're not in the bottom bottom tier cards. And it's pretty much all the ones that give you those extra actions yep. or have those new symbols at the top. So that, that to me, there was a change there because it's giving you extra actions, mm. which really only came from your board or the, the wheel of running yeah. around, as yeah. I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so a, another way to gain actions was I, I found quite useful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that, and I think I took full advantage of it. Then, like I said, you've got the Kadama symbols as well, which yep. was pretty cool because that that That's, was probably the most used thing. It was the most used thing and the most, I would argue, the the thing that changes the game the most because it actually gives you a use for the Lotus Flowers aside from a victory condition. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and I definitely found myself more going towards getting those Lotus Flower cards. Yes, because of the fact that they're now not just a winning condition. Yeah. Won't talk about what else happens on that board. We'll save that for the uh, the actual episode that we talk about it. But one last thing I'll talk about with that expansion, James, is the appearance of the Anibi on the, well, as you put it, the runaround. Yes. In the circle of spirits. Yes. Whereas before, Anibi was this you know big thing. You know, that's what we were fighting against. But now we have a physical representation of of a nibby on the circle of spirits running around causing chaos yes how did you find that that was fun <laughs> indeed indeed people might remember from the original game you added fire to the center of the board every time you were buying cards whereas now you're doing that and then if he's if a nibby jumps over a character on the uh, on the circle runaround bit it adds more fire and of course with that whole limit of seven fire tokens in there yep i definitely found fire was more prevalent yes in this one it also makes the fire victory condition very dangerous because mm. you are trying to control the fire obviously to so that you don't lose but yeah. you're trying not to give players too much access to fire yeah yeah because it's one of the victory conditions to collect the tokens Indeed. and it's sort of Right, I just cleared that, Anibi. Can you stop putting more in there? Well, I mean, the perfect example of that, James, in our game last night was I nearly handed you the victory. Yes. In an effort to completely obliterate both of you mm. at the same time, because I had managed to basically get my entire hand out on the table in the push to your luck phase to the point that I was able to buy almost every card yep. on the board filling the forest with fire, knowing full well that I only needed, was it four or five tokens at the time? Yep. In order to win or trigger the end of the game, not thinking about the fact that I wasn't going to be going first. Yes. And you were able to put out all but one. Yep. Of those, but what, stopping me from getting my victory, yeah, but not enough for you. I think the Anibi on the run on the circle of spirits is the second thing that I would say that changes the game most. Because like I said, in the base game, if you could see a player was going for the fire victory, it was quite easy to block it mm. by everyone stops buying cards. Yes. Yeah. Without buying cards, no f no fire goes into the in into the circle, which means no fire to be collected. It's yeah. like the fact that he is moving yep. under certain conditions and every time he jumps a player, fire goes in the middle. It's sort mm -hmm. of like it's controllable, but it's another thing you've got to keep your eye on. And between that and not buying cards, it's sort of, it really does back you into a corner. It's not quite as easy to control. Because I think we used to say that fire is the easiest one to go for, but it's the easiest one to stop. Correct, yeah. I would say it's still the easiest one to go for. I'm not so sure it's the easiest one to stop anymore. No, no, exactly. And I think I think one of these now is like, you're probably going to go for victory condition with either the trees or the lotus flowers. Mm. However, everyone's going to be going up at an even rate with those fires. So you've now got this extra dynamic of instead of picking one to go for, mm. there's a potential that you're going down two victory paths. Yeah. So you could, I could see you going for the fire, but I can also see you going for the, the lotus flowers, and I need to make a decision which one I need to try and stop you from getting. Yes. So there's definitely a lot more to it yep. in this game, and I, I've got to admit, I do like it. I look forward to playing it a bit more. But as it stands, I think the expansion has added a 
new lease of life to the game. I liked Living Forest as it was. Yep. When we were packing it away last night, you guys were asking me, how do you want to do this? Normally, when I'm an expansion is new, I tend to keep it separate until I know for certain that I want it in the game. I was keeping as much as possible inside that game, mm. which me, which tells me I feel that this expansion is easy enough to keep in, yeah. even if I'm teaching the game new uh, to new people, and it also adds enough to the game that it warrants its place. Yeah. So good signs, I think. First impressions. James, what about you? Uh, yeah, definitely thumbs up first impressions. Look forward to actually doing a full-on episode about it. Yes, I think I do too. I think we've... Can, uh, we can say a good look, good amount of things about that once we've played it a bit more. But uh, the other game we played last night was a game that belongs to my partner. It was an introduction to both of us. It was. Which was Death by Coconuts. Yes. Now, by my partner's own admission, she did not think that I or you would actually enjoy this game. Was she wrong? I think she was. I think she was as well. I hold my hands up here and actually agree with her on the sense of this is ultimately a very, very, very lightweight game. Oh, definitely. Part, you know, party weight, you know, at, at highest in, in my eyes. You know, I, I sort of said this after we played the game. It's like, this is a great party game. Yeah. I'd love to play this at a party. Is it a game that I'm going to take along to a game night? No. But is it a game that I would take along to a house party? You're damn right I would. Mm. It was great fun. Premise of the game was it's quite a small uh, small board. Uh, you control your sort of your character. You have like a betting system. You have three poker chips. And then whoever's turn it is reveals three statistics, yeah. shall we say. And you have to decide which one constant, you know, gathered the most amount of death. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so as a, I, I think I could pull from I could pull some examples because um the cards they're they're quite amusing at the fact that it's like it's got obviously the cause mm -hmm. and where the statistic is from and when and when it is from so you might have i think this is one that i can um that i can remember off the top of my head was ride on lawnmower accidents usa annually yes yeah, and, and then there was you know other things in there which you know super high statistics like World War Two. Yes, between uh, nineteen thirty nine and various 19... famines. Yeah, forty five. Like but yeah, a lot of them were like re revolving doors worldwide. Yeah. annually. Yeah, and the thing is because you, the, the the active player is choosing which three they want people to to bet on. You could sort of go, oh well, I'm going to choose World War Two. Lawnmower accidents and uh, hands caught in a blender. Mm. You know, it's pretty obvious from those three which, which one? one is going to be. But then didn't, everyone uh, can bet uh, on the I same one. I think I did one that I was trying to make difficult because it was towards the end of the game when we were all trying to win. <laughs> and I think even I went, I might have made this a little bit too difficult because I think the three, because you pull three cards. Yeah. I think I pulled the lawnmower one. Yeah. I think I pulled DIY accidents in the UK annually. Yeah. And something like uh, helicopter crashes in Australia. Australia between 1980 and 1990. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And it's just like... Um I don't actually know which one is going to be the highest. Yeah, but the thing is that in itself led me to say that I enjoyed the game for what it was because I actually, one, had to sit and think. I was like, well, what do I actually think? I mean, we're stupid in the UK and I know that we have a crazy amount of DIY accidents. How many of those accidents transition into death? I don't know. Whereas, as I said, when you start seeing ones like Korean dictator deaths, oh yeah, no, it blah, was blah uh, blah blah, chair, uh, deaths under Chairman Mao between 1975 yeah. and so, yeah, something like or 1959 to 1975 or something like that. Yeah. It's like I'm pretty sure that ran into the millions. Yeah, yeah, and you know, when you start seeing th you know, words like war, genocide, all that kind of yeah. stuff, you instantly think that's a lot. Yeah, that's going to be more than. How many idiot Jeffs are there that cut their hand off and bled to death by using a hedge trimmer? Like, yeah. You know, and things like that. So it was kind of one of the things that like we made good fun of it. And yeah. again, I think it's another one of them games, James, that depending on who you're playing with. Yeah, we'll it, I mean, it is. I, I, think, I think it is worth putting a disclaimer in this. It is a dark humor. Yes. 
sort of thing. It's like none of these things are particularly funny, but no. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they they obviously make somewhat light of it in the fact that your characters are standees of a skeleton carrying a surfboard. Yes, so- you are racing around a what is a tropical island trying to get to eternal paradise or something. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, what well, the name of the game, death by coconut. That's actually one of the cards. Yeah. How many, there. how many people have been killed by, by falling, coconuts by or falling, falling coconuts. coconuts? Yeah. You know, so that there is a, an element of hilarity in this. I mean, looking at the box right now, it says ages 12 and up. Yeah. Mm, I mean, we were playing with a over 18 expansion as well. Yes. But I would say maybe not. Because, uh, again, there's a lot... You know, if you're playing with a history buff, yeah, they're all over this because they're going to win. You know, if you know your stats, you completely obliterated me on one just by remembering what happened in a particular year. Also, it's, it's just sort of like... I'd, there are there are ones in there that are like... I think it was like mosquito bites... Mm. And so I think I think it might have been Layla who was like, "Oh no, no, this particular stat's what it's like: mosquito bites, malaria." Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are countries in Africa where that runs into the hundreds of thousands. Yeah, exactly. It's like so you got a sort of thing. It's like, like if you live in a a country like the UK, it's like, oh, well, mosquito bites, nothing. Yeah, and then remember. Yeah, there are places where who are not so lucky where that is deadly. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, one last thing I want to I want to bring up is there are cards in there that you sort of think to yourself, well, that's just stupid, but they're clearly there as like the red herring. Oh yeah, uh, there, the there one was... the one that sticks in my mind is the Disney one that we had because oh, that yeah, really yeah. caught that, all yeah, of us yeah. off guard till we discussed it afterwards, which was uh, amount of deaths in the di- in animated yeah. Disney movies between 1937 and 2021, and tw- which and is you sort of think to yourself, as, I, as we said, death is implied quite heavily in a lot of Disney films, but you never really know 100. percent mm. But it wasn't until afterwards that we'd finished the betting and we'd revealed and all that kind of stuff that you actually brought up a very good point, Mulan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we 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 were we were thinking because it was wait, was wait, it three hundred and sixty seven thousand. Yes. <laughs> And, and you, when you're looking at the card and you're thinking, all right, okay, they're talk, you know, they're you, you, your brain immediately goes to the main characters and villains. Mm. Like, so I'm like, okay, so Mufasa falling off the cliff, that's one. Scar, yeah. two. All right, you know, it's not going to be very high. And then you just, oh yeah, Milan, an entire army gets beaten because they come around the mountain pass and the village, yeah, the village is burnt. And then it pans over and there's the, just the sea of the army. It's like, okay, so that's thousands. Yeah. Exactly. But you don't, again, you don't think about it. Yeah. So it's like, actually, animated Disney films are really brutal. <laughs> 367,000. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Someone needs to do a YouTube video of exactly where they all occurred. Yeah. That would be hilarious. YouTubers out there. Yep. There's, there's your challenge. But um, yeah, I mean, James, first impressions for you for Death by Coconuts, I think for me, it's a game I would like to play again. Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly as that that's a party game I'd actually play. Yeah, 100%. I, if someone came to me at a party and said Death by Coconuts or Cards Against Humanity, I'm not even looking at Cards Against Humanity. I'm just looking mm. straight at Death by Coconuts. Great fun. Really looking forward to playing it again. We may do an episode on it, but we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Because we've got a lot of games to play in the next couple of months, James. So, yeah, that's games we've played this week. We've got another games night tomorrow night. Very yeah. much looking forward to that. But we'll talk about that next week, damn it. Yes. Because we need something to talk about next week, obviously. Indeed. Shall we go on to the main bulk topic of this episode? No. Tough. We're doing it. <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing it. Okay, dokie. James, you know what that music means. Topical. It is. It is a topical. And I gave you a few hours notice for this one, James. I've done nothing with it. I didn't think you would. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you really need to, though, because it's a pretty, I guess, personal feeling topic. Yeah. Because recently, in fact, not recently, all the time, we and every modern board gamer bangs on about games are so much better now. Mm. Games when we were kids, they were awful. Monopoly, awful. Cluedo, awful. Mousetrap, awful. <laughs> you know, name a game from MB, anything pre, I guess, 2000s? Yeah. Awful. They're all awful. But why? Why were they awful, James? What, is there anything, because we, 
Let's be honest. We all know the stereotypical thing of it caused arguments at Christmas. Why did it cause it, Christmas? For me, it's it's not even that. It's there. You named the company that shall not be named for a start, <laughs> but they just recycle the same games yeah. over and over again. But part of me does think is like, is that just because when we look back, we were kids, mm. we were going into kids shops like toys r us things like that which was that that kind of thing was the bread and butter of their board game aisle yeah and it's kind of still the same now mm. because if you go into i don't know what what are the you've you you've got a son what are the equivalent shops to toys r us these days uh, smith's smith's toys smith's, and toys r us are making a comeback yeah uh, toy barn house and places toy like barn that house, yeah looking at your calyx how many of those could you buy in those shops two or three yeah, Maybe. you still have to go to specialist shops yes. to get these games, which mm. means you have to already know where you're looking. Yeah. So would somebody who is who was now the same age as we were back then, they were going into one of these toy shops, they'd think nothing had changed. Yeah. It'd be the same old games, Cluedo, Monopoly, Guess Who, Battleship, yeah. the MB range, basically. Yeah. So has it actually got any better or have we just become more knowledgeable? Well, I mean, that's that's the question. I mean, when, if you really do look back, and I know you're not, I guess, as heavily into the research side of things as I am, but, yep. you know, I, I would say that the fabric of, of the board game industry and, and modern board gaming in general really changed with, I guess, th- th- there'll be many people that have arguments to difference, but Catan. We'll, we'll go with Catan. That, to me, really was the start of the new age of board gaming and just proving that board games could be something better, you know. And again, this all started in in Europe and then it eventually went worldwide. But, you know, I I do sort of sit and ask myself sometimes, and, and I've been asked about it, which again, as always, has prompted a topical discussion about it. And this was a discussion that I had at the game club the other night, which was, you know, just generally how board games in general have progressed and become so good but why are they so good nowadays and you know i sort of wrote down a few things that i think are far better which make games better and i guess one of the one of the first things that i will come in and just say is like we we sit here james and we look at my shelf right Mm -hmm. what are we looking at we're looking at the boxes but what's on the boxes it's artwork Mm. we talk about it all the time they look good you open them up. The boards look good. The components look good. The appearance overall of games now is far superior to anything that ever came before. And I asked my partner this earlier. I was like, yeah, what, what did she, what does she think has changed? And the, I mean, one of the things she said on the appearance front was the use of colors. You know, you think back to some of the old games, they're very primary color. Yes. You know, lots of boards being lots of beige, lots of, you know, just plain, boring. But the Monopoly board is your perfect example. Yeah. Very plain, very boring with the only hints of color, the little strips. Yeah. So first question I would ask then again, is that an improvement through better artists and artwork or is that a technology thing? Straight off. Good question. I think it's a bit of both. I I, I was going to lean heavily towards the technology thing. It's like I look at... um. Maybe not so much in box and box art, but boards. I look at a board like Scythe. Mm-hmm. It's got that really nice yep. graphic map on it and think, if you were trying to produce an image like that onto a board around the time that a game like Monopoly was first introduced, you might have been able to do it. It would have been eye-wateringly expensive. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. 100%. So I, I am agreeing with you yeah. and saying that the technology is is definitely a reason. But yeah. also, I think this all comes into that nobody would have used art yeah. or artwork. You know, it, forget the board. I'll accept the fact that even back then, the boards would have been prohibitively expensive to do something like that. Monopoly, for example, the cards mm. that are in it. It's a printed card. Yeah. They could have had artwork on it, but mm. that's the point. Back then, you wouldn't have had an artist doing it. What, I, we, what we now describe as graphic design yeah. wouldn't really have been a thing, or it would have been very, very primitive. Yeah. I, I, get, I do think that technology thing comes into it, though, because, again, the cards, I think, are basic by necessity. It's mm-hmm. a bit of text and a stripe of colour, because yeah. to the printers back then, 
to introduce like a full color card, an intricate detail on a card, yeah, would have been a technical undertaking, and the just the cost of the ink alone mm, yeah. would have been ridiculous. All those different colors, it's like there's a reason that the old printers used to print, you know, in three primary colors yeah. to make it. It's like yeah. now, I guarantee you, go into a card printer or a board printer and it's like you've probably got an inkwell for every color yeah the average home inkjet printer yeah is probably more advanced than the old industrial stuff of that era oh yeah definitely. I, I would argue because again you sort of open up an inkjet printer and it's primary colors in one little cartridge granted but as you said you go to an industrial printer and you are right it's like one inkwell for every colour under the sun. And then the only mixing that it really does is if it's not that exact shade of that colour. Yeah. So, yeah, the technology is arguably for the appearance side of things. Yeah, and... Um, is it, definitely... All, all the kind of things like, you know, all of those images will be computer rendered. It's like an artist might have drawn them, but they're probably scanned into a computer. The computer will... Up the resolution so that it's crystal clear. It's mm. like getting a computer to do that, even in the early nineties, would have been a games manufacturer is not going to have the budget to even think no. about doing something like that. No, and, and again, that's a very good point. Yeah, there, there's definitely, definitely far more of a budget now. Yeah, that will go into creating these games, especially for big publishers. There's no, there's no denying that under any circumstance. But um, one, one of the, you know, like I said, appearance for me is the first point. Yes. You know, before I've even taken it off the shelf, it sold it to me over an old school game because it looks better. Yep. And once it's on the table, there's no comparison. You know, all those lovely pieces. You know, I, I used to think when I was a kid, Monopoly, with your little metal yep. pieces, I thought that was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But now you sort of look at it and go, mm, it's all right, they're little metal pieces, but oh my God, look at this. Yeah. You know, hundreds of pieces everywhere. Again, uh, miniatures uh, added to games for pop. It's like because, you know, injection molding and mm -hmm. 3D printing is now a thing. Um, wooden laser cut wooden meeples. Can you imagine? Again, this technology would have been brand new in the mid 80s, early 90s. Can you imagine a games manufacturer? Yeah, I want laser cut pieces. They'd have probably looked <laughs> at them like, are you mental? Yeah. <laughs> How much are you going to charge for this? Yeah, exactly. Do you know how expensive that is now? It's like, no problem. Yeah. Which level of laser? Mm. <laughs> Which level of laser? What wood? Mahogany? Oak? MDF? Yeah, there's, there's everything. You can do everything nowadays. So appearance, I would say that I'm more in the park with yourself and yeah. saying it's technology that has enabled us to have a better, yeah. you know, appearance-wise on our games. And also potentially for the next one as well, which would be choice. There is a game for everyone and their son and their daughter's son and their brother's brother's brother. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter who it is. There's a game there for someone. You would never have had this back in the day. Yeah, I think we, if I'm completely honest, I think we say that from our generation because, you know, we were born in the, in the late 80s right as video games came onto the, you know, home video games, because obviously they had arcades and stuff beforehand, but you had to go to an arcade with your bag of change to play video games. When we were, one, uh, our generation was the introduction of the home home entertainment system, effectively. Yeah. That, I think, put about a 10-year dent in the board game industry. Oh, 100%. That I reckon, even if the likes of these games had been around then, because video games were so brand new, that slump would have still happened mm. and it, you needed that dip and someone had to take the risk yeah. to bring them back. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you say games like Catan, which were sort of viewed as the, the comeback of modern board gaming. Mm. How many publishers did they have to go to who just went, board games are dead? Yeah. Board games are dead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know that much. Yeah. Really, about it the story is, of Catan, but yeah. It is, it, I, I would stake money that it wasn't that they didn't go to the first first kind of publisher and go and the publisher went 
yeah, we'll have that. I reckon they went through a fair few because they're always you need someone to take that risk. Yeah, one hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the per- a personal story for me when it comes to choice is you know I, I think that I've I've been with my partner now for nine years, and when we first got together, there was no interest in tabletop gaming at all, and that stood for a good few years of our relationship. Eventually, they you know they tried a game with me, enjoyed it, and now we're at a point where. Her collection is very, very rapidly catching up with my own mm-hmm. um, at an alarming rate sometimes. She's coming along to conventions with me. She comes to almost every game night with me. If I, if she's off and I'm going to a game day, she'll be coming along and playing games. We don't always play games together. In fact, it's a very, very rare occasion where we are at an event and we're playing games together. But it's also given us a nice uh, hobby that we can do together, like on a, on a date night when it's just the two of us, we can sit down and we can play a game should we wish to. And that has all come from, frankly, choice within the game, you know, it, uh, the game's business. Because, all right, I know I'm not going to get out Scythe to, yeah. to play with my partner. It's not going to be her thing. However, we can break out Yak, we can break out Wildlands, we can break out Starship Captains, which we've done before. You know, these are the kind of games that I would play with my partner, and it's because of choice and availability on, on the market, which is great. So that, to me, that's, that's the next one that I sort of looked at. And one of the biggest ones for me, though, and this was one of the first things that hit my head when I was thinking, what is it about it that's better? And it's that whole welcoming aspect to the hobby Something we never had was cooperative games, James. And how many times have we been introducing new people into modern board games? Mm. And one of the first things we do is introduce them to a co-op game. And the, and the, the reaction is, working together? Yes. Really? Yeah, not, not straight up. I thought I was, you know, I thought board games are all, I've got to obliterate my opponent, you know, to pieces. Yes. Yes, dear listeners, we introduced them to cooperative, and then we introduced them to the joy that is semi-cooperative yes where you have to work together until the very end where you stab someone in the back <laughs> our favorite m- m- mode of gaming oh yes indeed but yeah co- cooperative gameplay jazz i think that is something that makes modern board games better yes than the older versions of games because sometimes you do just want to work together i i can't say this for certain this is just a wild stake theory i actually think that in a way is something that has transitioned over from video games because that is the first instance where I, where you've played where you've got multiple you had multiplayer versus there were f- far more elements of cooperative or working together video games before it came into board gaming I think that's something that might have backward transitioned mm, that is entirely possible to be fair uh, maybe they saw that people liked working together on these things yeah or teams at the very least yeah. Again, not 100% so, but that's where it came from. But I'm sure glad it's here Mm. because it does add another level of uh, welcomeness to the hobby. For me, co-op, it may not be my favourite type of game. It certainly was for a very, very long time. And I do enjoy playing a good cooperative game. But I think semi-co-op is still my favourite. And not just for the stab, stab you play players in the back method. I like that. We have to work together to control some aspect. Yeah. But we are still competing against each other. I I like that because it gives you a lot of things to think about. Yeah. And I mean, perfect transition over, James, um, because my next one that I wrote down was strategy. Yes. Because I think back to the old style games and, you know, I think the closest you'd really come would be, say, Risk. Risk. Or... Risk Risk is the the strategy board game, mm. let's be honest. And it's only one type of board game. That's it. You had yeah. Risk or you had Risk. Yeah. I mean, to a, to a degree, you had an element of strategy that you could try and employ in the likes of Cluedo or Clue for the, for the Americans. Mm. But... For me, it it just lacked it because it was ruined by roll to move is what happened with Clue mm. for me because I could plan something I wanted to do and I would roll four, three, you know, four or five turns in a row, one. So I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything. Mm. Yeah, I'm moving one space and I need to get to a room that's six spaces ahead of me. If I roll ones every turn, that's seven turns before I'm in the damn room. Yep. By which point, James, who's rolled sixes every time, has been in, questioned, 
buggered off to the next room, questioning them, you know, and is halfway to solving the mystery. Yeah. All the time I'm Scooby-Doo eating Scooby snacks in the van. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. So ultimate for me, roll, I mean, to, yeah. roll to move was one of the biggest issues. I, I, I mean, roll to move is really off-putting if I'm yeah. honest yeah. in any game. Yeah, because it tells me that that is the focus of that game. Really, mm. this it won't be particularly deep. That no, because it's all tied to yeah being rolling the dice. Mm. It determines how far I can move. Yeah, when you say strategy, because I mean ultimately all board games have an element of strategy to them. Mm. But aside from risk, that was the only kind of to steal a phrase from video games RTS game. Yeah, that was in board game form. Now you've got loads of them. Yes, again. I think a particular genre of video game might be responsible for that. Entirely possible. Because, you know, it's definitely responsible for the hundreds of RTS games on computer. Yeah. I think the explosion of more games than Risk Mm. probably came from the same point. It's like, people really like this. Can we transition that popularity over to board games? Yeah, exactly. You know, and something that I love about strategy is... For me, uh, and this is where I found games like Monopoly and that, again, failed. Uh, if you overlooked the roll-to-move rubbish and, you know, the the just every other flaw with that game, which we'll get to, <laughs> but one of the key issues that came from having a lack of strategy in these games was you weren't in control of what was going on. You know, the game was basically playing itself. In, in in my eyes. And at least with strategy in modern games, if I win, I feel like I've achieved something. I can give myself a pat on the back because it's me. I've won that. Mm. If I lose the game, do you know what? That's my fault. I've obviously made some bad choices. How can I make it better next time? Back in, you know, with the older style games, I never got that. I never got a sense of pride for winning. I never got a sense of disappointment for losing. Mm. I got a sense of uninvestment and not giving a damn mm. about the game I've just played. And it's because I didn't have an investment in the game. I wasn't making decisions. Yeah. You know, what What sort of the decisions do I have in a roll-to-move game like Monopoly? I've rolled. Cool. I've wow. not decided how far I'm moving. I'm being told. I've landed on this one. Do I want to buy that one or do I not? That's not a strategic move. It might be a strategic move. If, oh, well, if I buy that, James might land on it. Mm. And he'll have to give me $3. That's not a strategy that is crossing my mind, is testing my mind. Yeah, but again, it's completely flawed by roll to move. Yes, that too. Yeah. And it's, you highlight it perfectly there because it's not even that's your maximum move and you can choose to go slower. Mm-hmm. It's no, no, you rolled a three. You have to move three. Yeah. So if you were building a strategy, you might have just hopped over the space you wanted to land on. Then you have to go all the way around the board again. Yeah. And hope that you land on it. Yeah. Roll roll the right combination. It's no. Yeah. No, I'm not not completely bankrupt by the time I get round. I've yeah. There's just there's too many elements to it. It just never worked. Yeah. And sweeping on leads me to the next one, James, because one of the worst things about the likes of Monopoly and to a degree Cluedo and Risk as well and, and all of those other games was there was a, an inherent problem with balancing. Modern board games I don't find have as big a problem with balancing. So we've seen the introduction of catch-up mechanisms. Mm. You know, we talked about one the other day, James, when we played Hijacked. There is a balancing mechanism installed in the game to stop people from running away and just decimating their opponents. You know, we think about Ank. Mm. There's the catch-up <coughs> mechanism of the, you know, at a certain point on the board, the, la- you know, the last two people combine into one mega god and then nearly always end up winning mm. because, of, because of how the catch-up mechanism works. Balancing in modern board games, James, I think is another major reason why it's so much better because there is none of this, oh, he's left us for dust... I'm now just going through the motions to feed their ego. Yes. And I'm now bored. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. But like that's combined with that lack of strategy. It's like if they get one if one player starts running away with it and the game basically plays itself, yeah, you've just lost interest. I'm just rolling the dice. 
Yeah. Rolling the dice. Oh, it's my turn again. Rolling the dice. <laughs> yeah. You know. Multiple paths to victories. Yep. That's a I think that that's the biggest one in modern board gaming for me. Yep. As opposed to the old ones. It's like, no, this is the way to win. It's the only way to win. And whoever gets there first. Yeah. Whoever gets the early lead is almost guaranteed yeah to win yeah 100% and and you know again that comes under strategies it comes under i guess more variation more variation more variation within the games it adds to replayability it's a mm-hmm. big element of replayability multiple paths to victories oh yeah i won this game last time by doing this but i wonder what would happen if i did this on the next on yeah. the next play yeah or i'm quite interested or someone beat me using that strategy which i'd never thought of before yeah that's interesting. I wonder if I could do that. Yeah. And, you know, when I think back to the old games, when it comes to multiple paths to victory or or even just to narrow it down to the replayability of games, the only one I can think of that had any kind of replayability was really caused by its own setup, which was Clue. Mm. Because it was a variable setup game from what I remember. It's been a long time. But it wasn't always the same murderer no. in the same room with the same weapon. So there was an element of replayability there. But it was still a very streamlined game of this is what you need to do. Yeah. You follow this path. Do not deviate from the path to get your answer. Whereas now, and you know, you could bring out modern day clue or whatever you want to call it. And there could be 27 different paths. Uh, uh, Macro City, Crime City mm. was, was one of them. You got that big map and you're solving crimes all over the city. There's multiple different ways to f- figure out these crimes. But you, you, there's one answer. Yeah. There's one answer, but there's lots of different ways to find that answer. Whereas, yeah, back, back then it was like you asked the right questions at the right time. Yeah. And you'll get your answer. That was it. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that that is actually, I, I, it's a variation on something that I've written down, which mm. what I wrote down was there's more to do. But yeah, basically what I'm saying is there's so much variation in games. Yeah. There's a lot more paths to victory. There's a lot more going on to keep my mind active all the time. I'm invested in the game. I'm indulged in the game. Yeah. I'm not looking around at what's go- what else is yeah. going on, I, I, wishing that I was playing my N64. Yeah, I would say, and I'm going to put a caveat on this one because I don't know, again, if this is a case of I'm just older and can manage it better. I feel modern board games are much better with player downtime. Mm-hmm, yep. But I don't know if that is just because impatient eight-year-old me playing Monopoly felt like a round took forever see i don't think it is james because something else i've written down Mm. because monopoly being the perfect example here the game shouldn't really have taken as long as it was for all these families it should never have taken that long but one of the again another key problem with that game and something of around that era was player elimination Mm. you don't see that much now because at the end of the day it's not fair for someone who's we'll just say either not having a good day or doesn't know the game very well, to be eliminated on a social game night to then sit there for an hour, two hours, doing nothing. Because mm. you were eliminated because you were awful. We don't see player elimination now. And if I do see player elimination, if it's just solely player elimination, it's usually a game that I will avoid. But to 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 use your game for example james nemesis yeah does indeed have player, player elimination but what happens you then have if the you option. are yeah if you are the first player to get eliminated it gives you a mechanic where you take control of the aliens exactly because i mean how often would you say you know a lot of players get eliminated in in nemesis and, and if they do how long do the rest of them even last? Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it can happen. And I, again, by nature of the way the game works, I have seen it happen. So like two minutes into the game, a player walks into a room and gets munched by an alien. Yep. Yep. I have seen it happen. Yep. And that is exactly why the alien deck is there. Exactly. In case it does happen. Yeah. So, you know, player elimination for me was, was another of those really poor... Yeah. Game mechanics. And I, I would have... I would agree with you. The games of my childhood were rife with player elimination. Yeah, and if anything, it made the games last longer. Yeah, you know, Monopoly. The whole the whole premise of the game, I get it, is designed to be you are a 
your multi-billionaire landlord mm. where all you care about is money and you are designing you know, your business empire by crushing others yeah. into crippling The debt. thing is, you bring up an interesting one here. I actually now want to see someone redesign what I call, you know, the uh, the abominable three. Yes. Which is Monopoly, Clue, and Risk. Redesign them as modern board games and see if they get any better. I mean, possibly. I don't know. I don't think I'd even try it. I know, I know they've tried to install new mechanics and stuff into the dreaded M-word for ages, but it's never been particularly appealing. The only one that's semi-appealing to me at the moment is morbid oh, yes. curiosity of this Scrabbleopoly. You, um... You highlight, though, what not what I mean. They try and reskin it by tacking on some new mechanics. I'm talking about basically someone taking the spirit of those games but rending it down yeah. right to the base and starting again mm. with the idea, okay, I'm building a game where you are a property magnet. The aim is to be the best. Yeah, Cluedo, a mo- a mur- I am building a murder-solving game. Mm-hmm. I with mean, nothing, not without sticking a skin on it, but like, just we go right. I'm redesigning this game from the yeah. ground up. I mean, ultimately, there's been quite a few out there, to be honest, that I would say are in the same vein mm. as those games that are basically the same, but far better. You know, um, and and it's been actually something on my mind to do as a top five list at some point, which you know, something along the lines of top five games that are like Clue, but better, but better. I would love to do a, a couple of lists like that. Yeah, I well, think we may have to do it. Top five games are like Risk, but better. Yeah, <laughs> points at Scythe. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you might well see those lists coming at, at some point when I can uh, bring myself to actually <laughs> try and come up with some games like it. But um, James, I think one of the key things here, and this is probably the one I'm gonna I'm gonna finish on. We touched on it a little bit just now, but I want your take on it, James. The time it takes to play modern board games is far, far shorter than the older style games. Which I do not understand because by all rights, modern board games are far more complicated. They are indeed. They're far more complicated. They've got more going on, yet they are designed in such a way to keep their time far shorter. You know, the installation, James... How good? How easy would Monopoly be if there was a round tracker? How easy would Monopoly be if there was a calendar where you're going through the years? You get ten years to build your empire. That's ten rounds. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I mean that's probably a bit too short, really. But you know, we have seen round trackers. We've seen you know the catch-up mechanisms to a degree as well because it's bringing everyone up. It makes people play faster. Mm. You know, there's. All these different intricate designs that have come out and have come, you know, come into games that have sped the process up to the point where I can look at a game box and go, says 45 minutes. All right. We slate that all the time saying, no, it's never that. But it ain't saying 45 minutes and it's going to take me six hours. Mm. At which point we're all going to be bored and we'll just chuck the bin. Yeah. You know, I, ch- a, chuck it away. It says something like, no word of a lie, whatever we used to break out Monopoly as a family, it never ended. No. Like, no. it was got to the point every single time the game was called because it was just taking too long. It's yeah. like, but you could play a game, or we could play a game of Ark Nova in mm. under an hour, which is far more complicated. It's like, when you have to design a game like TI4 mm-hmm. to come close to Monopoly's playtime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something with that game is fundamentally wrong. Yeah, yeah precisely. And I, I can't think of a single game... The, of the old era where it would be less than two hours. Mm. Well, yeah, unless you're talking about the ridiculously simple ones like Guess Who, Battleship. Uno, yeah, mm. all, all those kind of, that, that kind of jazz. So, yeah, it, it just the game time, James, is massively appealing now. Mm. And that is the ultimately the thing that I, I, I look at and go, that's why it's better, because it's quicker, because it looks better. Because it's got more going on. It's got me involved. It's got me wanting to play the damn game. Yeah. Not huffing because I'm having to turn off my games console to have family time. Mm. Yeah, the um, the playtime one really gets me. I, I still cannot fathom how 
games of the dreaded M used to take so long. It's like, yeah, you know, the, the gaming club, they were playing, was it Tapestry the yep. other day? Now, that's a very intricate looking game. Mm. Five yeah. of them playing it, and it still had a lower runtime than the dreaded M. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With hardly anything going on. And yet no one left there wanting to kill each other. Yes, no one flipped the table over. Exactly, exactly. So, James, if I was to ask you a summary of why you think modern board games are better than older style games, mm. what would your answer be? Summarise it. I, th- I think we've basically su- summarised it with our topics. It's like, they look better, they play better, mm-hmm. they're just better. Yeah, <laughs> that that was... I, I tried to write some awesome, like, paragraph as to how I would summarise this, James, and I succeeded in writing a single sentence, which was, ultimately, it's because games are better designed. Mm. There's more money that have gone into the designs, Well, that, that there's more I time think, and effort, more I th- love. I think we should finish on a note, and it just finishes off what you just said there. I think it all boils down to how many games are designed by gamers, Mm -hmm. not by... Corporates. Yes, basically. Shirts. (laughs) Yes, I would agree. I would definitely agree because, again, can we thank the likes of Kickstarter and stuff for this? I do think it has a hand in it, especially in the current era. Mm. But, uh, you know, when you think about designer of Catan, they obviously wanted something different. They saw that games could have more. Yes. They could do more. And they started, potentially, you know, as we said, open to argument, there could be games before it, could be games after it. But they started the revolution and the resurgence of tabletop gaming in general. And I still say it, I still think we are in another golden era of board games. And I think this golden era is far bigger, far better than the previous golden era. So there you go. Mm. Ooh. 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 We're done, James. We are. We are done. Ooh. An hour in. Mm. That was pretty good. Yes. We managed to keep it bang on time this time, James. I'm very impressed. Were you happy with that topic, James? Because I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy it. There, there, I, I didn't slate Monopoly too much. That's a lie. We, I mean, we, we definitely slated it, <laughs> but we could have gone worse. Yeah, we could have, but it, the, the topic the topic of this topical was not that slate Monopoly. <laughs> so if you want to know why we didn't slate Monopoly, that's why. We we did make an educated effort yeah. to not completely slate the game, but I'm sure that when the mics turn off, that's exactly what we'll be doing. Oh, we could, we could indeed <laughs> do that topical. <laughs> why does Monopoly get the hate it does? Yep. And I would like to do it, in all honesty, because I'm going to say it, there are things about that game that I do like. Yeah, um, I, I vote that we don't do that, because the perfectionist in me then says, it's been that long, I'd have to play it again. <laughs> and I really don't want to do that. No, no, I, I don't think we will be doing that. But yeah, but yeah. anyway, James, should we head off? Let's head off. I should head off, because I need to put the little one to bed. Hmm. So, till next week... I have been Jason. And I've been James. And you have been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. Join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Ta-ta and goodbye.